You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. And on today's show, and pretty much here all week with us, this week is John Kegley, one of the original members of the show and the king of wrong here to break things down for us today. But this episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. For me, I like to just get as much good food around me as possible and the holidays are coming up. So I know I'm going to get a lot more of that. But Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Before we get started, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write for the LA Football Network, and we've been covering the Chargers together for over five seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, and this is our third season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, a victory Monday was much needed yesterday, and this is a game I don't mind getting back into. But first, welcome into all of our new listeners. We really appreciate you guys checking out the show, and a special thank you to all of our loyal listeners checking back in with us today. But on today's and show, we're going to get a special thank you and a very happy birthday to your host, Daniel Wade. Happy birthday, buddy. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that, man. I forgot, yes. As we were recording this, I'm still only 27 years old, but by the time you hear it, I'll be 28 years old, and this year has been a whirlwind, but I appreciate that, and I want to thank you guys for coming into the show today. We are going to get more in-depth into this game, because there were some things that obviously went wrong. The Chargers had a lot of ways they could have lost this game, and this was the game they finally didn't, so we will be getting into what went wrong with our expert, John Kegley, in the second segment before getting into what went right and trying to end the show on a positive note in the third segment. But to start the show, we're going to get into the news that there are reports coming out where Anthony Lynn is basically saying Shane Steichen is going to keep his play calling duties after some fiascos and play calling over the last couple of weeks. It was in question and Anthony Lynn wanted to clear that up at his press conference and we'll also get into the injury report or at least the projected injury report that had 12 chargers on the list. So let's go ahead and get into it. Los Angeles Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn made no doubt about it in his press conference on Monday that Shane Steichen will continue to keep calling the plays. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogmeyer with your Locked on Chargers lead story. The Chargers have had some obvious snafus, especially with play calling late in games and late in halves. And the most recent one was during this last game against the Atlanta Falcons, where before halftime, the Chargers came up with zero points after they decided to run the ball with no timeouts on the clock and were unable to get the field goal unit on the field and to get the offense off of the field. And a couple of weeks ago, there was a disaster where they had no timeouts and they ran the ball against the Bills while they were trying a frantic comeback. But Anthony Lynn, when he was asked about it, said that he has all the faith in the world in Shane Steichen to keep calling plays as the offensive coordinator in his first season as a full-time offensive coordinator. But I'm not necessarily surprised that this was brought up, David. 
No, I'm not surprised at all, especially after, you know, Coach Anthony Lynn and Shane Steichen had a pretty animated conversation after that snafu that happened at the end of the first half, you know, with all of that, the miscommunication there. It was also the first time we ever heard anybody, you know, kind of place kind of blame on anyone specific. You know, was, they're all very political and nonchalant about who did what or who was wrong. But in this situation, Anthony Lynn said, I really don't want to get into details of mine and Shane's conversation after the game. I've put that one behind us. It's. I think it's an easy fix. We're going to move on. You know, he says it's an e- easy fix, but this is something that we've seen happen before, like you mentioned with the Bills, Daniel. But he also goes on to say, you make mistakes, you learn from your failures, and you try to fix them next week and keep them moving. I mean, that's all the Chargers can really do. And with all things considered for Shane Steichen, yeah, he's had a couple of questionable calls here and there, but his offense has looked fairly decent this year. He is 8th in total offense, 4th in passing, 16th in rushing, but on the other side of the token, they're only averaging 22.8 points per game. So a pretty good showing for the first-year offensive coordinator, but still uh, plenty of things that he can grow on. Yeah, absolutely. But those short yardage runs have been a killer, especially in clock management situations. And it just seems like everyone should know better than to run that play in that situation. And they should all be better prepared if you don't get the first down there to have a backup plan waiting on the sideline, ready to run in the game and kick the field goal. But definitely a struggle lately for Shane Steichen's offense after scoring five straight games of 26 points at least. And in four of their last five games, they've scored 21 points or less the only other one was the new york jets that they scored more than that and then they also have the 45 to 0 shutout so it definitely has slowed down and they've played some tougher defenses but some other news that came out on monday was the chargers putting out a projected injury report for monday's practice or what would have been monday's practice and since the chargers have a game on thursday the chargers were obligated to release an estimated practice report and it ended up having 12 players on it david and 10 bona fide starters on the list as well. And that is a huge concern considering they play on a short week this week, Thursday night against Las Vegas. After coming out of Sunday's game against the Falcons with the victory, it seems like that has definitely taken its toll. I mean, you look at the injuries and they are affecting all facets of this Chargers team. You look at the offensive line, you got your best offensive lineman on the right side, Brian Bulaga and Trey Turner, both projected not to practice. You got Austin Eckler coming off of one of his best games of the year, also on the injury report. Keenan Allen on the injury report, Hunter Henry there, Mike Williams, and the defense also has several very important members of this Chargers defense on there. Nazir Adderley, Uchen and Wosu out with a back and a shoulder injury, and then Chris Harris Jr. back on there with a foot injury. And Denzel Perriman is also on the injury report. So, so many names there, so many impact players, so many starters that the Chargers are going to have to hope they can get just a little bit healthier before they have to go out there and play against the Las Vegas Raiders on Thursday. And short weeks are always hard on these players because even a week's time usually isn't enough to get you totally healthy after how physical these games are. And Sunday's game was very physical. You saw players like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Trey Turner, and Brian Bulaga all leave in the middle of the game. And now to think that the Chargers are really missing an entire side of the ball as far as how many starters they're going to be missing, it would be really, really bad if it continues this trajectory towards the end of the week. Because right now, I mean, to have that many players be injured and so many star players, I mean, that's basically the entire starting offense. Your two best receivers, your best tight end, your best offensive lineman. I mean, this is a train wreck for the Chargers. And obviously, they didn't actually have to go out there and do this practice. And this is just what was 
projected. It's going to be very hard to believe that the Chargers are going to get most of these guys back to play against the Raiders. But we do have two more segments to get into because we have to get into what went wrong in this game because obviously there was still a lot that went wrong even though the Chargers were able to pull out the win before wrapping up the show with the silver lining and getting into some positives from Sunday's game because I do think there were some positives that we can get to from that and some excitement talking about this team and we'll get into that coming up right after this but first this episode is brought to you by 1010 now you may have read about this in the new york times or forbes and we're excited to tell you about it 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today using only diamonds responsibly sourced from botswana 10 Designs Masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com, and when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of our deepest commitment between two people, and with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edi- limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively on BlueNile.com. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into what we do every single week, and I'm just glad that we have a what went right to end the show with because last weekend, because last week we didn't even get to do a what went right segment. But, of course, if we do what went wrong, we have to go to our master, John Kegley, who obviously I don't need to tell you guys is the pessimist of the show. He would say he's a realist, but we all know he's the guy that sees the glass half empty he can look at a 20 to 17 chargers victory and tell you every single reason that they should have lost so here's the peak of bleak john kegley telling us what he thought went wrong in sunday's game well let's start with a long list of things the top one would be the play calling i I, if i don't even know if i should just go play calling i would say maybe even justin herbert's uh decisions to constantly dump off to the running back but most of that was play calling but how many times did you see them throw the ball actually down the field? Not many times against a Falcons team whose weakness was their defensive backs full of injuries. You're basically playing their fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh string DBs, and you didn't try to attack them deep a lot. You kept dumping off to the running backs, and you missed opportunities basically to score a lot of points in this game by doing that. Herbert had so many completions in this game, but yet had under 300 yards passing. That is due to constantly dumping off to running backs or trying to hit a quick quick completion. Not aggressive enough, if you ask me. I think in this game you had to have been more aggressive, a lot more deep shots, taking more chances. And I think that's why the game was so as close as it was. I think if you take more shots, you probably put this game away early in the third quarter, maybe start of the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I mean, that's something we talked about yesterday, just being kind of frustrated, even aesthetically, with just what the Chargers were doing offensively. Because Justin Herbert did have some time at certain points in this game. It wasn't as if... He was running for his life like we've seen him in other games. It looked like there was time to develop some routes down the field, and he was deciding to dump it off to the running back. And there's a certain sentiment of take what the defense gives you, and I think he was doing a lot of that on Sunday because they did want to crowd the line of scrimmage. They did want to drop way off, and then that was opening up some lanes for guys like Austin Eckler, who did well with his catches in those situations. But at the same time, if you only run those things, it's going to come back to haunt you. I mean, it was super surprising to me that the Falcons didn't really adjust to that. They were just always kind of willing to give up, you know, short eight-yard passes 
and things like that. And the Chargers, you know, had a couple of very time-consuming drives because of that. But when your longest play of the day is 25 yards, and that doesn't come until you have to have it at the end of the game, that was the Tyron Johnson catch that set up the field goal. And then after that, you had Hunter Henry's catch on that drive being the second longest play of the day, his 15-yard catch. I mean, that's just not an offense we've become accustomed to with the Chargers. And the lack of big plays was very apparent. I mean, the running game was good, but even in the running game, the longest play from scrimmage there was 13 rushing yards. And I just think that, first of all, that's not going to work long-term. It did work enough in this game, even though we did see the offense stall several times because of it. And I think that Herbert's interception was somewhat of a byproduct of them running the same routes over and over again. They had no deep threat on that play. Everybody was around where the first down marker was going to be or the line of scrimmage. And then he had to try to fit it into that window. So I do think that that has to change because it's just not going to be consistently working for you. And the other thing is, it's just not taking advantage of Justin Herbert's talents. I mean, the guy has a rocket arm. Use it to throw more passes like the pass to Tyron Johnson. But David, what did you think went wrong in the last game against the Falcons, even in a Chargers win? Yeah, I mean, I like to to say first that Daniel Popper said, hey, you got a Bugatti in, uh, in Justin Herbert, you know, a young quarterback with a rocket arm that can really, really push the ball down the football field, and you're turning him into a, a Honda Civic, right? basically. You're limiting him. Or turning him into Tyrod Taylor, right. <laughs> as which, I've seen some people say. Right, which is, you know, that's that's – decreasing his value it's also you know you're not utilizing him the best way he's supposed to be used but for me you know my what went wrong is that you let Calvin Ridley go off in this game I mean he had eight receptions for 124 yards and that trick play touchdown I mean he was definitely the go-to guy for Matt Ryan on Sunday and he pretty much got open at will and one the thing is you knew it was going to him and the thing is is there was no Julio so this was the opportunity to double team one guy and let somebody else beat you, and you didn't take advantage of that. If Julio had been playing, then you understand why one of them beat you because you can't double team both of them and expect somebody else to not be open. You know, it's a situation that you would have to deal with pass rush wise. But this situation, it's one guy, you double team him, don't let him get over the top, don't let him get open quick, and you just leave him one on one all day, especially when Casey Hayward's getting beat by him all day and you still leave Casey Hayward one-on-one with him all day yeah I mean it was frustrating because you knew it was going to him I mean even if Russell Gage had a decent game even if you just say okay well let this one guy beat me it's more explainable I mean it makes more sense at least but you knew that was their number one weapon coming into it and you still kind of let him go off and he really did it against everybody I mean he had the third and 11 that he beat Casey Hayward one-on-one he beat Michael Davis one-on-one for a first down on a third down I mean, he was pretty much beating whoever the Chargers put on him. I mean, even Chris Harris Jr. on the pass from Russell Gage in the game, that went 39 yards for a touchdown. You knew what their biggest weapon was, and you still failed to you know, make a game plan where you focused attention his way and didn't let him beat you. And although it didn't show up on the scoreboard, I mean, the scoreboard probably looks a lot different if you don't get the three interceptions. So it was great to see him being aggressive, but at the same time not taking away that option was pretty confusing. But it wasn't just that for me, John. It's just the total lack of being able to get off of the field on third down. Yes, you got the turnover, so it didn't really matter on some of the time, especially, you know, on my least favorite third down, the third and 17, where Russell Gage is sitting wide open with nobody within 10 yards of him, or even, you know, a defensive holding call on third down. I got flashbacks of Julius Thomas and the Denver Broncos, third and 18 from Peyton Manning is what I got flashbacks of. But I, I just think that, John, when you let the other team go 9 of 12 on third downs, even though they didn't end up putting up a lot of points, 
that's still something that's very concerning to me. It is, especially when some of those were third and long, especially like the third and 17 you mentioned. You didn't really be aggressive at all pass rush-wise either. You have a talented group of wide receivers, and there was only Calvin Ridley, so you probably could have stopped him with double double coverage, but in the end, you're not going to contain everybody. But what you can do is be in Matt Ryan's face so that he can't get it to everybody. And you failed to do that. Again, I mean, Joey Bosa was working so hard. He, oh, watching the game again, he tried so hard getting in there. You, it's like one guy doing all the work of the class project. Everybody else just sitting around waiting for that guy to get them the A. Basically, he was trying so hard to get to Matt Ryan. And you never helped with a, with a blitz or something like that. You just kept going four rushes and never got there. And you let Matt Ryan keep finding ways to complete the ball, especially on third down. And then you're playing soft coverage a lot of times on these third and longs instead of trying to force guys at the line with jams or something. I didn't see much jamming at the line either. How are you letting Calvin Ridley get off the line so easily? And how are you letting anybody get off the line easily on a third down when you could easily give it like half a second, even more a second more time pass rush by jamming a receiver at the line? It's just too conservative and too soft. I mean, yeah, the one time that they had a very noticeable blitz was the third and 11 that I talked about where I think they sent six and they didn't get home in time. Casey Hayward Jr., I mean, just got totally burnt by Calvin Ridley and the third and 11 turns into a first down. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things, but if you're more consistent with it and you're able to get pressure more immediately when you do decide to blitz, or if you're going to do that, you know, don't give up a quick slant if you're Casey Hayward. I mean, something has to change on those plays because it's just brutal and backbreaking to not get off the field, especially in those third and 10 plus situations, third and 11, third and 17 that you're allowing to be converted. I mean, that's just absolutely brutal in those situations. The pass rush has to get home and the coverage has to hold up for an extra second. It just has to be better than what it was. And obviously, we already talked about yesterday the disaster at the end of the first half. We already talked about it. In the new segment of this, but obviously those kind of situations running on third and one with no timeouts and not getting it and not being able to get the field goal unit on the field. I mean, it's just absolutely brutal, inexcusable. And that is obviously something that went super wrong for the Chargers, but I don't want to get bogged down into that. I would say the other kind of low key uh, issue for me, David, was just the fact that that running backs actually fumbled the ball twice. And although it didn't come back to haunt them in this game, it was one to Kalen Balazs. And one from Austin Eckler. And Austin Eckler was running so hard. I mean, he was staying up and getting hit a bunch of times. But still, I mean, just because you don't, just because you end up recovering him doesn't mean it's not a big issue if you're putting the ball on the deck. No, it's definitely a big issue. And I think you've seen how that can affect your psyche as a running back, too. I mean, you saw Joshua Kelly start the year running very hard, running very effectively, very efficiently in those first three or four games. And then he fumbles a couple times, and then his confidence is shot. I mean, just shot immediately after that. And the coaching staff loses faith in you because you're losing faith in yourself. And now he he goes out there and he's not as productive as he was before. And I think a lot of that has to do with that psychological impact. So, I mean, not only is obviously you you put the ball on the ground. I mean, a lot of those times you're not getting that back. So you're lucky to recover those footballs. But, yes, I think there's a greater impact uh, in play when you fumble the football. Just don't even allow that to, to set in or affect you. And, you know, you got to go out there and be confident. But you got to keep your hands on the football. Well, how many times have we seen fumbles just dramatically alter how games have played out for the Chargers? I mean, so many times fumbles on the one-yard line fumbles late in the game to give the ball back to a team you're about to beat. I mean, 
it's just a dangerous precedent to set. So you got to make sure that they clean that up. And they've been pretty good about it outside of Joshua Kelly. But we do have one more segment to get into. We do want to finish the show off with some positive things. I mean, it is my birthday. We got to talk about something nice from this game. So we'll get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys, if you guys are trying to break through the wall at the end of your day, there's only one thing to use, and that is Built Go, which comes from the creators of Built Bar. It's an easy to take one and a half ounce energy supplement that is going to power you through your day so you can try to get done everything that you have planned. And it comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. And it's like a five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it's natural. So it's better for the body too. You can put it in your pocket. You can put it in your golf bag. Really? It's the best thing to have portable wise to keep with you at all times to keep you going throughout the day and it also uses collagen which promotes joints soft tissue hair and skin health literally makes you look better and right now we have a special offer if you guys go to builtgo.com you can use the promo code locked and you'll get 20 percent off your next order that's promo code locked all caps for 20 percent off at builtgo.com let's go all right guys well i know that was a very frustrating game on sunday but the chargers did get the job done i mean they found a way to win this game they ran the ball pretty effectively at times. There's a lot of things I think to get into that we can find from this game that still went right. And I mean, I think for me, one of the things that I thought was the biggest takeaway from this game, John, is just Justin Herbert getting that big momentum shifting play for himself during this season to finally, you know, see his hard work and his play turn into a win and doing it after an interception. I mean, it's one thing to lead a game winning drive, but it's one, another thing to throw a pick that pretty much looks like it's going to lose you the game, getting another opportunity, really having to have it, and then just making a couple of really big-time throws on that last drive to get the Chargers the victory. I mean, Michael Badgley had to kick it through, and that's obviously something that went right is him hitting that clutch kick. But as far as like things this team can build on and for whose confidence you want to be raised, I think this is huge for Justin Herbert. Well, especially when he had a game-winning drive already this year, but Michael Badgley ruined that for him against the Saints. Right. He made another big money throw to Mike Williams in that game. This game was a big throw to Tyron Johnson to set up the field goal. He was really clutch in this game, and it finally was able to be shown with a field goal kick. I think that's a big confidence builder there too, though. I think at the same time, though, it starts making him feel like he can start trusting the team more as well. I think you saw something that could build more chemistry if you will he's not going to feel like every time he leads a game-winning drive is he going to have to go for the end zone now is he going to have to start going for the touchdown because he can't trust the kicker which could lead to more risky throws more turnovers you know now he knows hey i know i can trust my kicker to make these kicks i don't have to go for it all on a game-winning drive so as long as you've got as much as you've gotten confidence built i think you got trust built as well but also your db's got interceptions in this game i mean yeah. We we actually had turnovers, you guys. <laughs> we won that. We wow, won. It felt so good. We won a turnover battle, and it looked like we were going to lose this game at one point after the Herbert interception. It looked like, well, Young Way Ku's going to kick the field goal, and yet we somehow won the turnover battle and lost. It's just our yeah. luck, and we we ended up winning because we got another turnover. <laughs> but I was shocked. I was dead on shocked when Matt Ryan threw that interception. At the end, the one to Michael Davis. Oh, I was stunned. I was too. I could not believe he, he messed up a second time in a row. 
And it was like it, when you you just resign yourself to the fact that you're going to lose. If you're a Chargers fan, you're like, "Yep, I've seen this." <laughs> you throw an interception, they go down the field, they kick felt, the game-winning field goal. So I was. It stunned. felt like the Bears game last year. If I remember, when I was at the Bears game last year. I was talking with Bears fans. The conversation I had at a timeout was, "You know what the most fitting ending to this game would be if we let you get in the field goal range, like we're saying, here you go, Bears win the game, and then you guys miss the field goal, and we're like, oh, you guys are like, no, it's okay, Chargers, you win the game. I feel like that was the same thing. It's like the Falcons throw an interception, like, here you go, Chargers, go win this, and we throw an interception, no, you go ahead, and Falcons throw it, no, you go ahead. Like Someone's just Literally. trying to lose this game. It felt the same way. It's like Final Destination, right? I mean, it's just all the Charger fans expect that this was going to be the outcome that, you know, they all set up. Well, we all set up a young way game-winning field goal for the Falcons, but the Chargers actually figured out a way to get that done themselves. I always get scared because I think of Final Destination, too, and there's a scene when they're all on the freeway and the water bottle rolls under the brake and then the lady can't break, and then they just get in a terrible car crash. That always scares me. Don't keep any water bottles next to your gas pedal, people. Final destination, Chargers fans. It all is really linked together at the end. But <laughs> this time, Murphy's Law did not happen. What could go wrong didn't go wrong for the Chargers. And even though they tried to blow it, they couldn't. And I think those three interceptions, getting those turnovers for a defense that doesn't get a lot of turnovers, was absolutely monumental. But... David, we talked about a little bit yesterday, but Austin Eckler in this game, not just catching the ball to the backfield. I mean, he did really well with the touches he got there and really manufactured some first downs for the Chargers and some, you know, eight-yard plays that really looked like they were going to be two-yard plays. But he just seemed like he was running the ball with a different energy yesterday. Average 5.3 yards per carry. He ends up with 146 total yards, and that is a ton of offense coming from one person. But he just seemed to have... A much like it's crazy because he always runs hard, but yesterday it just seemed like he was on another level. Well, for me, in, in my notes, I just said Austin Eckler finally looks like Austin Eckler. I mean, that's what we have expected, what we've come to expect from uh, from him is just his explosive ability, his ability to break tackles and just run through people and get positive yards. This this that's all this guy does. And you know, he just looked a lot healthier in the first game. You, you know, you could tell he he was you know. Back probably a little bit too early. I mean, he didn't look as as explosive or as elusive as we have come to know Austin Eckler to be. But in this one, he looked a lot more like himself. So I would agree with that. That's definitely something that went right. We all know Austin Eckler is an incredible catalyst for this team. I mean, he's a great player. But for me, my one went right is that Tyron Johnson, I feel like, had his best game as a pro. I mean, it was not a huge performance, right? Not that, you know, big gaudy stat line, but it was more of a consistent, you know, wide receiver. You know, I'm going to get open, you know, from time to time, six catches, 55 yards, and, and the big play to set up the game-winning touchdown and, uh, you know, a touchdown catch of, uh, of his own. But, you know, you saw the speed help you in other routes, not just the long routes for Tyron Johnson. I thought this was a more complete performance from the young wide receiver. Definitely. I mean, at one point, like I said on yesterday's show, I mean, Herbert's wide receivers were Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton, and KJ Hill. I mean, that's far from what you expected to see out there, especially in a crucial situation for the Chargers. But the big guys got hurt. The little guys stepped up. And I do think that was a big stepping stone game for Tyron Johnson. I thought it was a good, you know, thing for the Chargers offense to even though they are down their guys they normally have. I mean, Hunter Henry was banged up. All of their players seem to be banged up in this game. They still found a way to get it done. But I do think we have to shout out the defense, John. Obviously, they give up a 39-yard trick play on a wildcat play. But 
At the same time, I mean, when you're playing as badly as the Chargers have in second halves of games this year, and then you put up a 17-point performance and that's all you allow and you give a second-half shutout, I mean, you definitely deserve some credit. Absolutely, especially when the Falcons were still moving the ball on you in the second half and you somehow found a way to get out of those drives. That Jaleel Adai play was crazy. Oh, I could not believe Jaleel Adai made that play. He's known for tearing out your knee on a catch by throwing him whole self into you or tearing up his own head by throwing himself into you, but not by throwing himself into the middle of a throw and catching that pass. But Usually he would just wait for you to catch it and then try to destroy you. He'd be like, all right, I'll let him catch it. And then I'll hit him instead of going for the <laughs> interception. I mean, I wonder where he got that key from, right? You know, read Matt Ryan's mm-hmm. eyes. Uh, you know, I'm not going to point any names or anything. But, yeah, no, it was a great play by Jaleel Ladaya. Great anticipation. Great, you know, get to get there and snag that interception. Like I said before, that was the best play I've ever seen him make as a pro. Really? Even over the pick six in the last game in San Diego? Yeah, I still think so. I still think so. I mean, it's up there. I'll, I'll say that. It's up there. Um. That was just a crazy return on that other one. That was wild. Don't ever forget that. Remember that one time where he tried to pitch it? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hold on. All right. Let's get back to praising him. Yeah, this is what went right. This is what went right. (laughs) Come on, Wade. All three of those interceptions (laughs) were different, though. I mean, you saw Rayshon Jenkins making a big play, being a good, you know, middle of the field free safety and getting some over-the-top help for his interception, hanging on to it. Michael Davis, who continues to be the Chargers' best corner, get an interception, and the Chargers putting in Jaleel Adai at linebacker in coverage on that play for him to go make it. I mean, that was the defense making plays where we just haven't seen Or what about when the Falcons messed themselves up? I think they were like somewhat in field goal range, and they were trying to run a tight end screen, and Hayden Hurst or Graham, whichever one it was, ran to the wrong side of the field. And the Chargers pass rush the intentional grounding forced play. Matt Ryan to do an intentional grounding and took him out of field yeah. goal range. <laughs> like the Falcons messed yeah. up and you made him pay for it dearly and took him out of field goal range by making Matt Ryan do, do an intentional grounding. And it was it's not a sack, but it's just as good. Right, yeah. But if you don't finish the play right there, you know, maybe he finds another way to get rid of the ball and have a little bit more time to, you know, set his feet and get it to near a wide receiver or at least or at least an eligible receiver. But yes. I mean, the defense made some plays, and obviously they were hugely frustrating in the first half. But to come back with a shutout, I mean, you don't get you don't win the game unless they get that shutout in the second half. I mean, it comes down to that. And we talked about them doing bend but don't break and never, you know, actually living up to it. This time they did bend and they didn't break because they made the few key plays in the second half that kept them in the game, and they don't win without it. So I thought there was huge growth growth from this team in this game. I mean, special teams-wise, you have the Nazir Adderley return that goes 76 yards that we talked about yesterday. Just seeing him find that hole in the coverage team. I mean, it was a perfect camera angle on the TV broadcast, too. I mean, they were just coming in from the sideline, and you just saw a hole open up for him down the left side. And he took it, and he made the most out of it. So that was really good to see because he's looked pretty good, but that's the first big-time return that he's had for the Chargers, and he's definitely given Joe Reed a run for his money. But just a programming note before we wrap things up, this show this week is obviously going to be a little bit different because Thursday is Thursday night football against the Raiders. So tomorrow's show is actually going to be the crossover episode, so we're going to be talking with your boy Q, one of the best hosts on the Locked On Podcast Network. David Drogmeyer is going to join him. 
to get into this week's crossover. And then Thursday night, and then Thursday show will be our keys for success and like a pregame show for the game on Thursday night. And then Friday will be our game recap show. So make sure you guys tune back in tomorrow for crossover Wednesday show where David gets to ask you what's been going on with the Raiders who have been an absolute dumpster fire over the last couple of weeks. So check back in with us tomorrow for that. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page at LockedOnChargers as well as subscribing to us whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts from. And that's the fastest and easiest way to get the show. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.